Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Penny Streeter, OBE, founder and CEO of A24 Group, the medical recruitment agency. Zimbabwe-born Penny left school age 15 without any qualifications and started work in the UK on a youth training scheme. Having, as she says, fallen into the recruitment industry by chance, Penny was inspired to start her own recruitment company, Elite Personnel, with the support of her mentor, her mother Marion. But the failure of the business alongside Penny's divorce left her homeless and penniless and finding refuge in homeless accommodation with her three young children. After some years working in other people's recruitment businesses, Penny tried again. Funded by Evenings Moonlighting as a children's party entertainer, she launched A24, a round-the-clock nursing staffing agency in 1996 from the corner of a friend's car dealership. And with help from her mother, the business generated £1 million in sales within one year. A24 has since grown rapidly, providing more than 100,000 hours work each week for healthcare professionals in the UK and South Africa. I'll be talking to Penny in just a couple of minutes about all of this and, wait for it, about her award-winning wine brand and how, as a keen conservationist, she acquired and restored the 240-acre UK site Leonard's Lee Lakes and Gardens. It's great to have you here. I should confess that we are doing this with the wonders of modern technology and science. You're sitting in South Africa in my virtual Jazz FM studio, and I am sitting here in London. It's fabulous that we could make this happen. Thank you. A remarkable story, Penny. Often at the beginning of the program, I set out the stall and I say, here's this person and so on and so forth. It's not often I've met an OBE who was homeless at one time. (laughs) Um, Could you imagine that you'd be having these series of conversations about your life at this point, having gone through what you went through? No, at the time, I mean, it would have been completely ludicrous to have thought um, that, you know, we'd be sitting here talking about how well my business has done. At the time, I was just interested in how I could put food on the table for my kids and what my strategy was going to be to get some money into my household. And at that time, you, you talk about that, that, people often talk about founders who are who literally are hungry for success, who talk about survival. When it's actually real, do you think that is one of the things that marks you out as a very different kind of human that is doing this because the stakes were genuine rather than or wouldn't it be nice if yeah I think it definitely becomes a primal instinct to survive and provide at the time like you said I had three young children and having had a fantastic childhood myself in um, Zimbabwe I just thought oh my goodness I've got these three kids and now you know they're going to have a life of abject poverty and you know i wanted to do everything i could to turn that around and in terms of the first business that the business that you set up which then eventually didn't work what was it like dealing with failure in those early years how did you cope look i mean i don't think failure ever ever really worried me i mean i'm very much always have been the kind of person that will pick myself up dust myself down and go forward i'm really really optimistic so if i did something wrong it just never, you know, it was water of a duck's back. I just carried on and did something different. And did you even think about it as failure or was it more about, well, okay, that didn't work. There'll be another time and I'll, and I'll get on with it then. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't. I mean, the one point when, when you mentioned my first business, Elite Personnel, when that crashed in the 80s, I mean, that felt, I don't think I really felt a failure. I think other people viewed me as a failure and that sort of annoyed me and irritated me a bit. But personally, it's never got me down. Am I right in thinking actually that probably fueled you a little bit? You're like, excuse me, I'll be the judge of whether I'm doing all right or not. I mean, is that, is that part of Penny Streeter as well, that little bit of defiance? Yeah, definitely. No such thing as can't. So, you know, definitely can come back on that. When you founded the business back in 1996, what were your first moves? What were the things that you think looking back now were the, the, the first things that you did which laid down the foundations of a successful business? Because it, it was a pretty brave thing to do then. I think the, the one thing that stands out is at the time we became a 24-7 business. So it doesn't sound odd nowadays because we live in a much more 24-7 society. But at the time, certainly in the healthcare industry that we provided, although our clients were open 24-7, certainly anyone that supplied them definitely wasn't. So it seemed, seemed to us ludicrous that you that nobody was sort of matching the hours of the healthcare institutions they were providing. And that was the big real differential that set us apart from the rest of the pack, really. Was it an obvious thing for you to do, Penny, at the time, or was it just a bit of luck? Um, I think for me, it was pretty obvious, you know, because we were having clients ringing in on our mobiles, asking us for instructions and asking for staff left, right and centre. And the natural progression was just to follow the industry and go 24-7. And of course, people would now call that in the parlance minimum viable product. And they would say, well, I looked at the, the, the product market fit and all these other things. At that point, common sense prevailed. And that was the idea. That was the, the insight, as it were. How quickly did you realize that you needed to then resource the business accordingly? Because once you say that, you have then actually got to make the execution work. How many people did you have to hire up front? Yeah. Well, with no money, you can't hire anybody. So guess who became 24-7? Literally, I would work all day and then answer the phones all night. So our clients would ring or nurses would ring and have a chat with me at two o'clock in the morning. And being professional, I would be sitting there chatting away to them. And it was only in later years when I, I told them that actually they'd woken me up in the middle of the night, um, you know, determined to keep that true grit and sort of make sure that clients knew we were sitting there and felt we were in an office the whole time. How long did you do that for? How long were you the, the through the night person? <laughs> It blurs a lot into sort of <laughs> when you when you work nonstop and especially when you work 24-7. But certainly, I, I would say for the first year, 18 months of the business, it was very much like that. You know, the same when we had to get nurses to hospitals on Christmas Day and so forth. It was us. We were the taxi drivers as well. We were doing everything. I mean, that must have taken a toll physically. How do you, I mean, you've got three kids. You're literally up and down the whole time. I mean, it's it's like being on it. It's not even shift work. There is no shift. It's just constant. How did you manage to kind of hang on to your sanity? Was it just because you were so driven to make it a success? It was because I was driven. I mean, like you say, I had three small children. I'd literally say to them, "Be quiet." The phone's ringing, and they knew they would they would go silent and sit there on their toy phones imitating me. So you know, you just get through it. Stay with me for more from my guest, Penny Streeter, who, in her own words, is someone who just gets through it. She'll be back in a couple of minutes. Right now, though, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions. They can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Dere's Martha Averley and Matt Robinson talk about equity, diversity and inclusion with regards to recruitment and how employers can recruit in a fair but diverse way. The Mishcon Academy digital sessions. 
conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. Even if a business is acting with noble aims in terms of trying to recruit in a diverse and inclusive way, it may still be acting unlawfully by acting outside the limits set out in the Equality Act 2010. Matt, do you have any practical steps employers can take to recruit in an inclusive but lawful way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the first one, which I think is something that people have been doing for a while now, is to try and use blind recruitment strategies. Studies show unconscious bias towards particular names and, you know, people going to certain universities or schools. Now, obviously, this is something that's easier to do at the beginning stages in terms of sifting CVs. But you can also look at early stage interviews in large recruitment processes where you send candidates written questions, for example, then as the process develops into face-to-face calls and meetings, you know, obviously it's not possible to continue that. But the idea is that by that point, you'll have broadened out the diversity of the pool of candidates in the later stages of the process. Another example is unconscious bias training. Now, obviously, there has been some recent negative press around unconscious bias training. I know the government don't seem to appreciate it, but I think What it can help people realize is that we all have biases and there is concern and evidence that people often want to recruit in their own image. And when your existing workforce isn't diverse in the first place, then that lack of diversity is perpetuated. So, you know, whilst it is difficult to apply in practice, I think if you ensure that people involved in these recruitment processes or promotion decisions are aware of their biases, it may increase the diversity of the candidates that are ultimately selected. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast and indeed you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice or if you have a smart speaker, just ask it to play Jazz Shapers and there you'll be greeted with a taster of our recent shows. But back to today's eminent guest, Penny Streeter, founder and CEO of A24 Group, the medical recruitment agency. She is with me in my virtual Jazz FM studio, now located in Cape Town, no less, and that is where Penny is conducting this conversation with me as I sit here in Jazz FM HQ in the middle of central London. In terms of then the business grows, you hire people, you hopefully get to go to sleep at night without having to be woken up. You don't have to drive the taxi. There are people that come in. What kind of leader in those early years was Penny Streeter? How did she morph from doing everything herself to then delegating? Oh, with a lot of difficulty. I mean, I think that staff who worked with me in the early days, and probably still now, will say that I was the most horrific boss because we used to work 12-hour shifts. I had everyone working eight in the morning to eight at night, and literally our phones would be ringing off the hanger. And as I'd get up to go home at eight o'clock in the evening, I'd say, what do you think you're doing? Sit down. You can't leave me here. So <laughs> I, used to, I used to very much, um, I don't know, have the expectation that everyone in the business should work as hard as me. And I think, you know, as a result, a lot of the people that worked with me in the early days went on to run their own businesses really successfully. They sort of metamorphed off that. So, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot calmer nowadays. We don't, we don't carry on like that any longer, but, <laughs> but you yeah, want to. it was, it was I fun see. times. I bet it was. <laughs> and is this a natural energy that, that you have, or has this been, again, was it out of circumstance that this kind of, come on, just keep on going, there's more to do came from? What do you think? 
I think it's a natural energy that I have. I think I'm, I am just a hardworking, driven person and I enjoy what I do. And if I'm doing something I love, then yeah, there's no stopping me. And in terms of this growth, as you got more and more people, did this version of Penny Street or the, you know, the kind of obsessive, ongoing... Slave driver. Yeah, yeah, slave driver. I didn't want to say it, you said it. The slave driver. <laughs> when did the slave driver become a, a more enlightened delegator? Because obviously the business gets to a certain size, Penny, and that that's just not going to fly, not for you, just because you can't control everything. You can't get people to stay seated and carry on working. Was there a moment when you went, hold on a minute, I need to... Things are changing and I do need to reflect on how I'm doing this. Yeah, no, I mean, that just came naturally into the business because the people that joined me weren't necessarily greatly experienced with that, but they became really good at what they were able to do and people were able to develop and run their own departments and businesses. I mean, a lot of them are still with me now. So, you know, that's testament to that it worked. And, you know, certainly, I mean, no business can grow without having the delegation of, of all of those people and good people coming through. And, you know, A24 Group has them in spades. And in terms of the new business, as it were, the, the vineyards and things, when did you set up your first one? When did you buy your first? In 2013. Okay. And since then, is there a, a very different way that you approach management based on the experience of A24? Or is it really like Penny Street of Light? Is it essentially, it's you <laughs> really, and you pop up and you go, no, 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 keep going, it's not enough. <laughs> Look, it's the, same, it's the same thing because A24 Group is a, is a customer-driven business. And as soon as I went into hospitality, it's actually the same. It's also really, really customer-driven and customer-focused. So it wasn't too different going into the two industries. It's just that obviously the hospitality one, you know, you have to be a lot more intensive on, on how you deal with things. Penny, the level that you have got to in, in terms of business success and the OBE back in 2006, I think it was, is a fair, fair time ago. At that point, there were not many female business models, role models, who were doing as well as you. That's changed. It's changing. What do you feel about that now? I mean, are you now, do you now look around and go, I've got more people that are showing the world that this is, there's absolutely no difference. Obviously, there's, there's absolutely no difference between what a man and a woman can do. Because if we were having this conversation stupidly 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, there was, there's, still, there's still a narrative where there's sexism, where there's you know, lack of funding for female entrepreneurs and so on and so forth. What is your position on that in 2022? Oh, look, it's changed immensely. Like you say, I mean, back in the day, there was only a handful of people and they were the main sort of role models like Anita Roddick and those kind of people. But, you know, literally you could count them on one hand and it really, really has changed. I mean, I think women have got a lot more confidence and are a lot more out there. And I mean, you know, you just bump into female entrepreneurs running successful businesses all over the place now. So, yeah, it's a very changed world. Tell me about the hospitality business a little bit. What have you enjoyed in a different kind of way? Because what you, you know, selling 100,000 hours of staffing is a very specific thing. It's not outdoors. It doesn't involve growing grapes. It doesn't involve the processes of creating wine, which people then say, you know, it's a completely different business. Tell me about the nature of the enjoyment that you've had since 2013 and creating these, these lovely vineyards. Yeah, it's like a whole new world for me because the recruitment industry is cutthroat, competitive. We don't meet and talk to our competitors. You know, we don't like them at all. So going into the hospitality and particularly the wine industry is a completely 
different ball game. I mean, they're friendly, they talk to each other, they share ideas, all sorts of things. So it's been actually amazing after years and years and years of being locked away in a tower, I've been eventually allowed to get out and now I can swirl a glass and, you know, taste wines and create something that you can actually see. It's actually fantastic. I enjoy it. And in terms of actually enjoying the product, I imagine that it is quite lovely sitting there on the grass with the sun on your back and a glass of wine in your hand. I'm actually thinking, as I say it now, I really want to be doing that. But is that, do you, do you, do you also settle in and enjoy it as a consumer, if you like, as much as as an owner? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like a lot of people, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed a glass of wine, but it's not until you become really involved within the business that you actually understand so much more about it. So, yeah, no, I mean, there's nothing better than now understanding the whole process, being a great consumer and understanding the differences between the various climates that we grow our vines in. I recall being years ago in South Africa and going to Franschhoek and places like that where the, the soil had been brought in by the Huguenots, I believe. And there was all <laughs> these amazing things about which, which way the vineyard was facing. And I was like, I really am a total Neanderthal when it comes to wine production. I'm sure you're not. I mean, it must Not be, anymore. Not anymore. Good. We'll have a final chat with my guest there. It's Penny Streeter. And we've also got an absolute classic from the Isley Brothers. That's in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Penny Streeter is my iconic business shaper today. And she's the founder of A24 Recruitment, but also is the person now behind how many? You've got three, you've got three different vineyards at the moment, is it? Or is it? Yeah, we've got three. So we've got Benguela Cove, we've got Mannings Heath Golf and Wine Estate in West Sussex and Lynnersley Lakes and Gardens in West Sussex as well. So they're in different countries. How do you manage that? <laughs> Look, I have a great winery team. Luckily, I'm working with the same team that works with me across both the UK and South Africa. So our cellar master and our viticulturists work across both. So we, you know, we have a we have absolute perfection, I think. Despite you saying you're a slave driver, right, you seem to have a lot of loyalty around you. And I know you were, we were kind of half joking. Do you think it's because business life can be a little dull and that people are a bit transactional about stuff and that when they meet a penny streeter, they're like, well, hold on a second, this is different. I mean, this person really lives and breathes it and wants to do good. And, and, and if that's true, is that when you interview people, are you naturally looking for someone who's going to flourish in your environment? Because obviously there are people that may not want to work quite as hard. Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's very noticeable because what we have is very much a flat structure that we operate within the business, very much an open door situation. And it's not for everyone. In fact, a lot of people run screaming away from my business because of that process. They don't like the unstructured processes that there are. And I think people either thrive in it or they fail. And it's as simple as that. So I'm not looking for anyone who's particularly entrepreneurial, but someone who actually enjoys a bit more excitement. So, yeah, I think that's what it is. Just in terms of the kids, I'm intrigued. All these years later, are they kind of aware of what mum did back in the day? Have they, I mean, do they, do they talk about it with you? Yeah, I mean, two of them work with me. So, you know, they, the expectation is, I've said to them, the old adage that you get people who are successful, their children tend to be completely useless. So I've told them all of that. So now they all work night and day to make sure they prove me wrong. So. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, but but you're, I'm, I'm sure you, but if they, if they don't follow in your footsteps, what do you want from them? If they're, not, if they're not quite you and they're not as entrepreneurial, what is it that you would be happy with in terms of them being your kids? 
look, I'm happy with them as long as they're working, earning a living and happy in what they're doing. You know, I'm happy with that. So they don't have to be self-employed. And for you looking forward, you, you continue to do what you do. Are there other, you know, obviously super entrepreneurial, are there other things that you might move into or is this, are you settled now in terms of, in terms of what you're doing? Look, at the moment, I mean, the businesses that I've got, specifically the hospitality businesses, Benguela Cove, we're busy developing a hotel site. Leonard's Lee, we've just opened a hotel site there. And then we're, we've got massive retail facilities that we're also looking to add there. So I'm so far off getting to the end of where I am with those businesses. So, you know, at the moment, I'm told to drive around with a blindfold and not buy anything else by my family. So. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to issue with blindfolds at Christmas every time you go, here, mum, here's another blindfold. Please, please use it. <laughs> um, it's been really nice talking to you and enjoy the rest of the day in, in Cape Town. I'm not at all jealous, he says, <laughs> obviously lying. Um, Penny, thank you. We'll be keeping an eye on your future success and looking forward to hearing all about it. My business shaper today was Penny Streeter. She never saw anything she did that didn't quite work out as failure. There was no such thing as failure. The stakes were super high for her as she talked about her past and being homeless and having three young children to feed. But that message of just getting on with it was absolutely critical. And finally, natural energy when you're a founder. It's really, really useful. And indeed for her, it's been super central to her success. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazz shapers.